discuss now the laws as they apply the first day of Sukkot this year is this Thursday, okay, that's the 15th day of Tishrei and it's the first day of Sukkot in this year 5774 but Sukkot begins Wednesday night, right. all the holidays we always begin the holiday from the night time because in the Jewish calendar the night always precedes the day starting when the stars come out, that is the beginning of the night, and that is when the day begins the next day. So Sukkot begins on Wednesday night. During the uh, evening prayer, Mayriv, we do the Yontav prayer. We do the special holiday prayer that is in the Siddur for Yontav. Okay, now, um, we know that every holiday... A part of the holidays to rejoice in the holiday. The, actually, the Torah commands us, you should rejoice in the holidays. There's some specific ways to rejoice. It's by drinking wine, eating the meat of the korban in the time of the Beis Hamikdash. But the general idea of being happy and joyful is based upon the Torah that we need to, the festivals, it says, you should rejoice in your holidays. There is uh, uh, several verses discussing that, uh, how one needs to be enjoying of the holiday. Now, there is a very special joy associated with the festival of Sukkot, because during the festival of Sukkot, they did something special in the Bet HaMikdash, in the temple, they would use water as a libation on the altar, on the Mizbeach. All year, they only used wine and oil as libations. Together with the... What's libation? A libation is a pouring onto the okay. Mizbeach. Together with the uh, various kinds of offerings, the Torah always prescribes also a certain amount of oil, a certain amount of wine that is brought together with the korban for various different korbanos, various different amounts. But water is not used as a pouring on the Mizbeach. But there was an exception that we learn out, it's by uh, passed down from Moshe Rabbeinu and it's learned out from the verses that uh, in the section of the Torah that discusses the uh, sacrifices brought on Sukkot, it says, spells out the word Mayim, there's extra letters so there's a hint for this in the Torah that there is water be brought, and that particular service was done with great joy, the verse states Mayim they would draw the water with joy and they would go down to the Mayan uh, Hashiluach on the uh, foot of the below the Temple Mount over there, they would draw the water. The Talmud describes the great joy that would take place over there it was n- like nothing, nothing else. Nobody ever seen uh, joy hasn't seen really what joy means, and there were all kinds of stages, and they would be dancing and they would be doing, and people wouldn't sleep at all during the Sukkot festival because they were uh, enjoying themselves. Now. There is some discussion exactly at what point uh, does this particular Simchat Beit HaShoeva begin because in the Talmud, the way it's described is they had to build these great platforms which was done, couldn't be done on Yontav, they couldn't build on Yontav so they did it after Yontav 
So some want to say, well, that the uh, real joy of Beis HaSheva should only begin on the second day, but uh, it's outright uh, rejected over here that the joy of the Sukkot festival, that is the uh, regular Yom Tov joy, as well as the Simchat Beit HaShoeva, which is the special joy with the time that when they draw the uh, water at that particular, the Yom Tov of Sukkot, that specific joy related to that Beit HaShoeva, they both begin immediately on the first night of Sukkot. In other words, it starts at the night, which is also, some say it's on the day, not on the night, but here we say, as far as we are concerned, the great joy that we have, of course it is done in permissible ways. During Chol we can do, we can have music, we can have uh, other means that we don't have in Yontav, but under the uh, limitations of the Yontav, we still do the Simchat Beis HaSheva. Uh, so beginning with Wednesday night, we already have Simchat Beit HaSheva. We already have the tradition that the first night people get together in our sukkah to actually celebrate uh, the first Simchat Beit HaSheva and with song and with, with dance and l'chaim uh, and uh, uh, stories and uh, inspirational words of Torah and... Uh, just a Hasidic gathering and sitting together and for joy and encouragement for all together. So that starts first night, Wednesday night. Okay, now uh, I'm reading, this is basically from the Bachabat traditions which was collected by the rabbis there and I sort of modified it in English a little bit to be able to uh, uh, but but this is available, you know, uh, online. So you can you can go ahead and read this later on uh, on your own. Okay, I'm just giving, but I'm explaining it a little bit more. So to clarify some of the points in writing, you can't articulate as well as you can say. So there's also the audio class, so you can you can uh, yeah. the one last night. Yeah, I got one yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now there's another thing is about some people have objections. Halachically, uh, clapping and dancing. You know, in the Talmud, when you read in the Talmud, there is uh, some objection uh, to clapping and dancing on on Yantav, on Yantav. But it is definitely the Chabad tradition to clap and to dance. And you know, the Munkach Rebbe and the, and the previous uh, they've addressed a lot of the halachic concerns of how come and why this is done, but it's certainly the Chabad tradition to both dance and clap, both on Shabbos and Yontem, not only on Chalamoid. So one can sing and can, can, can clap along and, uh, and, 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 and enjoy. Uh, now, the Rebbe always wanted to share the joy of the holiday and the Beit HaShe'eva. So the Rebbe spoken and encouraged many times that people should go visit other shuls or during Chalamay they can even travel to other cities to have and to join other people to encourage and to participate make the Simchat Beit HaShoeva to make this joy of the holiday so not only concentrate at the headquarters 
but as we say, Ufaratsta, just spread out and share the joy and the enthusiasm and the fervor of the holiday with uh, many people outside, outside headquarters, outside the community. No? Anybody who lets you in. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, actually, uh, you know, you, 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 you try to bring the joy to everybody. We don't discriminate uh, against anyone. You know, just whoever, whoever lets us through the door. <laughs> um, we actually used to um, go also on the, it's called a tahalucha, that's a walk to a whole different neighborhood. Uh, during the holidays and and occasionally uh, it would rain and but rain didn't stop us as we'll soon see about the circuit with rain but it didn't stop us from going and we'd come to different shoals and you know we'd be soaked to the, the <laughs> uh, we'd go to Bar Park, we used to go to Williamsburg for a certain amount of, yeah, and um, and sometimes it was uh, you know, you came to the shul over there, uh, they weren't so happy because we'd come dripping. <laughs> but in any event. All right, now, in, starting with, in 1981, it's Tav Aleph, the Rebbe began to encourage uh, public Simchat Beit HaShueva, in which people go out to the streets, they close off the... Uh, uh, big squares, and they, you know, you get music, and you get and lots and lots of people come and spend many hours dancing and uh, uh, enjoying and singing. And and, and and yeah, exactly. And but this is made on a big scale. The, the uh, like in the headquarters in seven seventy over there is Kingston and and uh, Montgomery. That is sort of the heart of Crown Heights. So over there they block off all the streets every night and they stand all night long from all neighborhoods from all over uh, every day of the Simcha Beit HaSheva and Sukkot. There is dancing all night. It reminds you of the dancing that took place in the time of the temple because there was just, you know, everybody is having a, uh, you know, a great time over there and everybody's really This is enjoying. before Simcha Torah. This is before. So that, that, that Gets you ready for some chatara, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's 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 something which is uh, worthwhile uh, considering to take you know maybe a trip for the children or something. Take them there. It's a it's a very special uh, experience. That's all night till five in the morning, six in the morning, and you know they have music and a lot of times they have performers, singers. You know, sometimes they volunteer. I'm not sure where they get paid, but they they. Uh, it's a it's a huge uh, it's a huge uh, huge event and it's every night of Chalamayid Sukkos. Um, now now we're going to discuss a little bit the Kiddush. So because it's Yantav, right? So before every Kiddush, if you notice, there is a small passage of it says Askinu Sudasa. We are preparing the meal now on the Kabbalah. There is various different. Uh, there's meals which is for uh, different uh, level of Chakal Tapuch and Kaddish there's Atika uh, Kaddish there's various different Askinu Sudasa but there's one for the Yantav so you do the Askinu Sudasa for Yantav uh, and then the way you do the Kiddush so first you make the Bore Pri Hagafen so you say Baruch Atosh Bore Pri Hagafen that's on the wine okay then you do the Kiddush. The Kiddush itself, what does Kiddush mean? 
the Borupriya Gofen is the blessing on the wine, which you'd always make if you ever drank wine, you'd make Borupriya Gofen. So that's just the regular Borupriya Gofen. But then you make the Kiddush. The Kiddush is, begins with the words, Asher Bachar Bono, God who has chosen us and given us the holiday. Basically, you sanctified us. Kiddush means sanctity. You sanctified us, you know, we're... we're uh, Commencing, we're bringing in the holiday coming in, so we're doing the the kiddush. That's the Bono, That's that prayer. Now, on the first night of Sukkot, we do first the Leishev Basukkah. Now we have an extra. Every time we go into the Sukkah, we're actually doing a mitzvah. The blessing we make mainly when we eat in the Sukkah. That's when we make the blessing. So here when we make Kiddush, we're going to go ahead and we're going to eat in the sukkah. So we're going to be doing an extra mitzvah more than any other Shabbos. So we're going to make the, uh, besides the yontav or Shabbos meal, uh, we're making Kiddush and we're going to have a yontav meal for the celebration of the yontav. But we're also doing a mitzvah because we're sitting in the sukkah and we want to bless that and that's why we say also the blessing then we do that and then finally every yontif we also make the blessing now the shechiyonu is a special blessing to Hashem for giving us the opportunity to do a mitzvah now over here, the Shechiyonu that we do on the Kiddush basically serves several, several different, we cover several pieces with that. First of all, every Yontav we make a Shechiyonu, whether it's Pesach, whether it's Shavuos, whether it's Sukkot, uh, whether it's Rosh Hashanah, although even when it's Yom Kippur, we always make a Shechiyonu. What do we make the Shechiyonu for? We make it for the holiday, for the for the opportunity that Sheikh Yonu Vikimonu Vigyonu Lizmanazer. You have given us life, you've existed for this day. So we make a Sheikh Yonu. So once this one Sheikh Yonu covers the holiday like it does every holiday. But on Sukkot, the Sheikh Yonu covers an additional mitzvah. Because now we're thanking Hashem, we're saying Sheikh Yonu for giving us the mitzvah of Sukkah. The mitzvah of Sukkah is unique. We don't have it in every holiday, but it's special. When you're sitting in the sukkah, in addition to being a holiday, you're doing another mitzvah that you're having your meal in the sukkah. So you also want to make a shechilyanu for that mitzvah too. And there's yet one more thing. Even the building of the sukkah. According to some, that's not so clear. There's questions about that. But that also may require a special blessing Shekhiyonu. Even the building, which is the preparation for being able to observe the mitzvah. So when we're doing the Kiddush, we're going to cover all these three things. We're going to do the Shekhiyonu for the holiday. That same Shekhiyonu will also go for the sitting, the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. It'll also go for the mitzvah building in the sukkah. And it would seem fitting that the people that um, uh, make the blessing should have it in mind that the Shekhiyonu is for all these things and the people listening, so if they don't make their own Shekhiyonu, they're just, because when the one who makes Kiddush says the Shekhiyonu, he is for everyone, 
but people should uh, should 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 have in mind that it's for all these things. It's for the holiday. It's for the sukkah, and it's for the building of the sukkah, so that there is a shechiana that covers everything. Now, on the first night of sukkahs, the lace shave basukah comes before the shechiana on the first night. Now, by the way, it's important to know in it's only in. The diaspora and chutzlar is that we have two days. Over here we have Thursday and Friday because Thursday is only Thursday. Friday is already Cholamoid in Israel. But by us in the chutzlar is the second day Yantav. Uh, over the year we're going to make Kiddush too because we have two days Yantav. So on the second day we're going to switch these two blessings. We're going to first say the Shachiyanu and then we're going to do the Leishay Basuka. So you say the Shekhi on the second day too? Yes, we always, that's right. We do a Shekhi on both days. The reason is because, the reason why we're making a second day is because in the ancient times, before they had the calendar, and uh, they would determine the day of the month by the sighting of the witnesses, and the people in the diaspora who lived far didn't know when exactly to make the holiday. It could have been one or two days. So they made the second day as, no, out of a doubt. They weren't, they didn't know what, which day is the 15th. Is it the first or the second day? So because they had a doubt, they observed both days because of the doubt. We know because we have a calendar, but we want to keep the tradition of our ancestors and we want to keep it that way and therefore we still celebrate two days Yontem, but it's like a, like Pesach and like Shavuos all the time in the diaspora we always do two. only end. Rosh Hashanah they do two days in Israel in the beginning and the end too of the holidays two days same thing yeah, yeah. we do always we do two but, days but then the Pesach also, also one day only one day, one day. On the end. at the end also it's only the only time they do two days is in Rosh Hashanah that's the only time they do that. so since the reason why we celebrate the second day is the way they they did it so the way they did it in the ancient times they didn't know on the second day whether it was Yantav or not so they had to make a Shekhyon or two because they were doing it out of a they weren't sure so they made all the brachas so we don't want to make anything really less on the second day Yantav so people not to get the feeling it's not really Yantav you know and you know we don't have to really respect it that much because since we really know today by the calendar, the reality is, the truth is that it's not Yantav. The Yantav is only the first day. So the Chachamim were very careful to not make any leniencies or not to allow for anything. So the Shechiyonu is made on the second day, but the order of the Shechiyonu is reversed. We will first say Shechiyonu and then Leishev Basukah. The reason is because in the first night, we want the Shechiyanu to apply to the Sukkah, to the Basukkah too. But in the second night already, the Sukkah has already been covered with the first night, and therefore we, uh, we, we, we reverse the order. But we'll wait for that for the second day. I just want you to know that there is a change in the order, that the first night we do first Leishi Basukkah, and then we do the Shechiyanu, and on the second night, we do first the Shechiyonu and then the Leishe Basukam. Now, uh, the Rebbe would have a custom that before saying the words Leishe Basukam, 
he would glance on the sechach. Generally, the mitzvah of uh, sukkah also has uh, the idea that we should remember God's miracles that when he took us out of Egypt, he uh, had created such huts for us to protect us from the heat and from the uh, extreme elements so that we were able to be comfortable in the desert. So we're actually sitting in these huts to remember that miracle. So one needs to have in mind, so when you're making the Leishev Basukah, you want to actually look, uh, give a glance, you know, at this Chach. Anyways, that was the Rebbe's tradition in, uh, in, uh, before making the blessing of Leishev Basukah. Um, it is also uh, traditional in our tradition during the entire festival of Sukkot to dip the motzi into honey. Even though Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are behind us, and mainly we know the writing is on Rosh Hashanah, the signing, the sealing is on Yom Kippur, but yet there is still a certain amount, a somewhat left over for Hashanah Rabbah. That's why we have the many Hashanahs we say during the last day of Sukkot. So through Hashanah Rabbah, uh, we still do the dipping of the um, bread into the honey because there's still some significance to... Uh, we also do that extra chapter of psalms that we do starting with the Rosh Chodesh Elul of Ledov and Hashem Ori, we also do it through Hoshana Rabbah. So, yeah, so we see that the uh, there is a little bit of a judgment, there's a little bit uh, like uh, the leftovers need to be taken care of, and that's why we dip the Hamotzi into honey, although we also put salt on the table. Yeah, what were you saying? Yeah. Isn't that also almost like a mini Yom Kippur with a ceiling? That's, is, is, what do you mean by ceiling? Well, like the book is, everything is... Yeah, yeah, right. that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. So right. that is a mini, it's still it's finishing up. It's, still, it's finishing, and he, it, he still hasn't made his ultimate decision. There's a little bit of room still for the thing, yeah. and therefore, we still want to use the honey as a good sign. The Hoshana Rabbah is the last day of Sukkot. last day of Sukkot. Right, and then it's Shemini Yatzerah. That becomes Shemini Simchat Torah. Yeah. That's right. So it's like a double hall. It's almost... It's like double. Yeah. It gets the last day. Yeah. Now, the tradition is that... Uh, you know, you could technically listen, just like we said about the Sheikh Yonu, the person who makes Kiddush and makes the Sheikh Yonu, and you're listening to the Kiddush, you don't make a Sheikh Yonu yourself. People naturally always fulfill their obligation with the Sheikh Yonu. So if somebody made the Kiddush, um, then you wouldn't have to make a shechiyano because you heard the Kiddush. And besides the fact, the women that already lit the candles, especially if they lit it in the sukkah, they wouldn't say, they already said shechiyano when they lit the candles, and then they don't really have to eat in the sukkah. So everybody would hear the shechiyano from the person, but even men who are uh, listening to Kiddush will not make their own shechiyano. Uh, they will fulfill their obligation with the shechiyano that is said by the person who makes the Kiddush. But with the Leishev Basuka, it seems because it's such a special bracha, uh, we do it only this, uh, once a year, people 
do not fulfill their obligation with the one making Kiddush saying the blessing and saying Amen. So therefore they said Lesh Basukah. People make sure to uh, do their own Leshev Basukah. So before. First no, and second days or just both days, in all in all in all times. Whenever you're kiddish, basically what we're saying is the person that eats will make his own blessing of leishe basukah on both days, and you know, and also at the uh, night times and both day times. You know, so if the person makes one making kiddish will say leishe basukah. So conceivably, you could fulfill your obligation if you have in mind to fulfill your obligation. But the tradition is. That uh, we don't um, uh, that we don't yoitze, but we make our own we make our own uh, blessing of leishi basuka, and I think that it's also especially because uh, it's a special bracha, so you want to make sure to say it by yourself. It comes once a year instead of listening just to no one else. So the same is true. Now we're talking about for the daytime. You you asked, so if a person takes and they. A person takes and he um, um, the shechianu is done only in the beginning of the yontif. But, but you do both nights, though. Okay, so the second night, the second night, we do it because we're since they weren't sure. Okay. So we do it, do it because of a suffix, because of a doubt. Which day right. we do it again, but. That would only be like by us in, in the diaspora. In Israel, they won't make a second time Shechiyonu. No, so no. the short answer is, yes, we will do it over here both days. But we don't do it because we want to do it twice. It's not because we do it on each no, day no, of I, Yomtev. I but that. we do it because we're not sure which oh, is the Yomtev day. Just at the nights. Just at the night. Now we won't do it at the day. That's yeah, right. We don't do no Shekhyon at the day. The Shekhyon, because once the Yom Tov came, it came. But since in those days they weren't sure that the Yom Tov came till the second day, so they're saying the Shekhyon because maybe that's the right day Yom Tov. So that's why we would only... That's right. So you do you do once for the first day and you do once for the... At night time. Now technically... If one did not say Shekhiyanu, for some reason he forgot to say Shekhiyanu, then any time during the holiday, he can go ahead and say the Shekhiyanu for the holiday, because he hasn't fulfilled his obligation yet. You know, so any time not saying, one has to say at least once for the holiday, he has to say Shekhiyanu uh, for the holiday. But uh, over here, we say it both on the first and on the second day. Now, now here we have another interesting halacha uh, with regards to women in the sukkah. Women are basically exempt from eating in the sukkah as they are exempt from all time-bound mitzvahs. A mitzvah which is time-bound as the mitzvah of sukkah which only comes uh, a few days a year, seven days a year. Uh, those are mitzvahs which women are exempt. But still women have a tradition, some women have the tradition, that they do eat in the sukkah. And here you have an interesting halacha, that when they do eat in the sukkah, they will make the blessing of leshev basukkah. Even though they're exempt technically, but the Chachamim said yes, they can say, the one who, thank Hashem, blessed Hashem who has commanded us to sit in the sukkah, 
even though they are weren't commanded to sit in the sukkah, but there's a command for the Jewish people to sit in the sukkah, and they're part of the Jewish people, even though they individually may be exempt. So they do make the bracha of Leshev Basukkah. Uh, the women do would make the bracha of Leshev Basukkah. Um, now, again, I had this, uh, this question over here. It seems to me if a woman did not make the Shekhyonu for lighting the candles, right? Uh, or if she didn't, uh, she, maybe she didn't light the candles, whatever it is, but she didn't say Shekhyonu yet on the Yontav, right? And um, so then, of course, then there would be no problem that she could say Shekhyonu anytime uh, before the Yontav, but then it's best to be done in the Sukkah. But I wasn't sure if a woman made a shechiyonu for lighting the candles in the house, and then she's going to eat in the sukkah, uh, whether in addition to saying leisha basukkah, she can also say a shechiyonu for sitting in the sukkah, because just like she makes a bracha leisha basukkah, she should be able to make the bracha shechiyonu as well, just like, uh, you know, they would make the shechiyonu like on lulav, shofar, other mitzvot which... Uh, are time bound, but if they come along to make the bracha, so it comes along with the shechianu. I'm not sure about that, but let's go weiter. <laughs> now, the obligation in the sukkah is uh, to eat minimally a kezais, that's the size of an olive, of bread, of bread in the sukkah. That's the minimal amount that one has to eat. Uh, in the sukkah, uh, just like one has to eat minimally a kizayis of matzah on Pesach, one has to eat a minimal of kizayis of bread inside the sukkah. Now, even if it rains, you would still make kiddush in the sukkah, and you say the blessing of leshev basukkah and shechianu, and then you eat a kizayis of bread. You eat the size of an olive of bread. And then you finish the meal in the house. So you, you still, on other days of sukkahs, there is a rule that one is mitzayir, one who's in pain, doesn't have to stay in the sukkah. Because we say that the mitzvah of sukkah is similar to the way we live in our home all year. No, if a person's home is raining in, he doesn't stay in the room. Then he goes to another room. You don't stay. So one doesn't have to sit in the sukkah more than he would stay in his own house. So, so therefore, this is a general rule that a mitzayir, one who's in pain in the sukkah, is exempt from staying in the sukkah because he doesn't stay that way in the home either. But that is an exception for the first night of sukkahs. Sukkahs, first night of sukkah, there's an obligation, just like there's an obligation on the first night of Pesach to eat uh, size and an olive of matzah. There's an obligation to eat a kezayis of bread in the sukkah. So therefore, if it rains, you go, you make kiddush, and you eat your kezayis of bread, and then you can go into the house. Now, we'll see soon, but the Chabad tradition is not to go into the house, but that's the strictly the halacha. Now, during the blessing of Hamotzi, so when you make the Hamotzi, since you're not going to be uh, saying the grace after meal, the benching is not going to be done in the same place. Uh, you have to do the after blessing in the same place where you ate your meal. Uh, you can't eat your meal in one place and then go uh, 
uh, into another place to make uh, the after blessing. Actually, there's a very interesting story in the Gemara about this rabbi who was in a caravan and he needed to uh, uh, go back. He forgot to bless. He needed to go back to his place to do his uh, grace after meal. But he didn't know what to tell the people because they were... Uh, if you tell them he has to go back, they say to him, what difference does it make? God is everywhere, so you can make the blessing. But So he, he told them, you know, I, I left a, a, a golden pigeon uh, over there back. Oh, for golden pigeon, you know, let him go back. He actually happened to find later on. <laughs> golden pigeon. Yeah, and so it was, uh, he was blessed with that. But in any event, you have to go back. So, so how do you get around it? But here it's raining, and he knows that he's not going to be benching in there because he's going to finish his meal in the house so you have in mind that's what you do when you know that you're going to finish elsewhere when you wash and you start your meal you have in mind that i'm going to finish later on and then that is okay with bread that's okay if you had in mind here and then you eat bread in the home or the other place and then you make the grace after meal over there so therefore if it's raining and you know that you're just going to be there a little bit, just have in mind that you're going to finish it in this sukkah. Now, if it stops to rain later on, okay, so you went into the house, you stopped later on, and you haven't finished your meal yet, okay, so one needs to go back to the sukkah. And then you would have to eat a kezai's bread, over there again, the size of an olive of bread, in the sukkah, because you're going to make the grace after meal over there, so you're going to first eat a kezai's of bread, you're not going to make again a leishev basukkah over there, because you already made a leishev basukkah, you're just returning. And then, one says the grace after meal in the sukkah, if it stopped raining. Now, that is only if it's really raining, so you can go into the sukkah and go out. But if it appears that the rain will stop after an hour or two, then one must wait and not eat outside of the sukkah. Then you can't just go make kiddush now. You have to wait. Wait till it stops to rain if it sees. But, you know, it's not going to stop raining. It doesn't look like it's stopping. Then you can do it that way. However, it is the Chabad custom not to leave the sukkah in the middle of the meal, even while it is raining. This applies to all of sukkahs. Because we said the first night of sukkah has a special mitzvah because we have to eat a kezayis. Everybody says even in the rain, but the uh, Chabad tradition is to always eat in the sukkah. Now, even though it rain or not, rain or shine. Snow too. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, with snow, you might have a problem because it may disqualify your sukkah. Because if there's enough of a cover of the snow, then it does qualify as the sukkah. But you may have to shovel down the snow before you can sit in this. Before you can sit in the sukkah, yeah, I'm sure there's places there's where it is. The world of all snow. Yeah. I grew up in Toronto, Canada. And oh, it, it, it snowed on Sukkot, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it snowed a significant amount, so that it covers right. up. It would disqualify the schach, because the schach needs to be from yeah, material that it grows sky. and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well that was another. That was another issue about seeing the sky. We learned that uh, we poked through with a stick in the middle. Yeah, and you see the sky and you see the stars and that's sufficient Chabad uses a lot of schach yeah. basically if you look back they used it was a thatched roof and when it rained in the, in, not that it rained that often when it rained in the desert they still got wet didn't yeah. they? Yeah. well in the desert it didn't rain much but it could rain. They didn't have to. Well, actually, the the yeah, it could. I'm not sure yeah, what no, the what is that. Yeah. Right. It could. So they still had. So that's probably the concept that oh, they yeah. go by. They still had to live in it. Yeah, but the truth is that we'll see. We go further. 
Halachically speaking, in the Shulchan Aruch, in the simple reading of the text, it says that when it's raining, one does not have to sit. And is actually, according to uh, somebody who doesn't have to sit, and sits there, uh, the Shulchan Aruch says some uh, not such nice words about them. But it is the tradition, however, from Chabad, to on all circumstances. Now, the, the, in the Chabad tradition, in all these situations, we'd still go to the sukkah, we'd make Kiddush, and eat there, and make the blessing of Leishiv Basukah, which is also, some people say, you know, you want to sit in the sukkah, you want to get wet, fine. But don't make a Leishiv Basukah, because you're not fulfilling the mitzvah. But no, that's not in the Chabad tradition. Uh, we make it without hesitation. You make the hesitation. Now, we've seen the Rebbe... Uh, going to the sukkah and make up a brain English, it was pouring buckets. I'm talking about buckets, and that wouldn't phase yeah, nobody. That you know, nobody would leave. we don't get you know. And there is something about uh, not feeling pain from the elements just because of being like above it. You know, not letting it affect you. Now, even sometimes, just to. Uh, even sometimes, like, we are small little people, and maybe we are affected by it, but because we follow our Rebbe's tradition, and the Rebbe wasn't affected by these elements, so, because it says that a mitzvah is potter ben the if you're in pain, uh, you're exempt from the sukkah, but he uh, wasn't in pain. Now, we sort of go along yeah. with, with, with the Rebbe's, and therefore... No problem. Anyways, that's the okay. that's tradition. Now, um, when does one say the Leishi Basuka? It's only recited when eating bread or mizonos. Mizonos is you make a cake, which you make you make a, a borim in the mizonos. Uh, on bread, you make hamotzi lechem in aretz. So you know, basically, it's one of the five grains. You know that you make it into flour and then you then you bake it, or you know sometimes, but but sometimes you don't bake it. Mizonos, you know, you have you cook it, but the uh, blessing needs to be either mizonos or hamotzi. Uh, and you need to be, again, eating minimally the size of a kibetzah, which is the size of an egg, of, of that, of the mizonus or the bread, of the bread. And uh, the way you do it is, every time, is before eating, you say the blessing for the food. So in other words, you say hamotzi or mizonus. And then you say the leishe basuka after the uh after the, the, the blessing. Um, now, it says, this is maybe not for everybody, but those that are careful, and we like to consider ourselves people that are careful, do not even drink water outside of the sukkah. Now, you can't make a leishiba sukkah, we just said you need to have at least the size um, of a kizayis to eat a bread or mizonas. But people who are careful don't even drink water, but they're not going to make the bracha, but they're not going to drink even water outside the sukkah. Okay? And here comes another extreme. So on one extreme, we're saying that the Chabad tradition is not even to drink water outside of the sukkah. On the other extreme is Chabad tradition is not to sleep in the sukkah. And here again, there is not to sleep in the sukkah. Although... Actually, 
It's not the Chabad tradition to sleep in the sukkah. To put the words correctly. In other words, it's not a tradition not to sleep in the sukkah. There's no tradition to, yes, sleep in the sukkah. There's no such tradition to sleep in the sukkah. Now, that was already addressed by the Rebbe in trying to uh, reconcile this with the uh, clear directives of the Shulchan Aruch, which says that sleeping is one of the things you do in the sukkah. And... Um, you know, Chabad has taken a lot of flack for this because of uh, the tradition. But this is not uh, somebody just uh, came up with an idea, but this has been a tradition from all the Rebbe's, from all the giants. So it's certainly, you know, absolutely 100% correct. The Rebbe tries, uh, the Rebbe explains, it gives explanation. And uh, just like we said, the opposite of we explained before, that uh, rain does not cause pain to a Rebbe. Uh, sleeping in a sukkah, uh, meaning uh, sleeping when you're sleeping, you're not in control of your actions, of your movements, and your, and your bodily functions. And and uh, a sukkah is a very holy, uh, especially those people who have uh, an understanding and have insight into the Kabbalah, and they live by, you know, spiritual, by the spiritual meaning of things. To them, a sukkah is not four walls and, uh, and bamboo or, <laughs> or evergreen. To them, the sukkah is uh, an abode, is uh, holy, and they sense it and they feel it. For somebody like that to sleep in a sukkah would be like a totally disrespect. How could you sleep in front of a king, uh, you know, uh, lose yourself, be in a sleeping position? You have to be with awe and respect and fully uh, uh, cognitive, knowing what's going on when you're in the sukkah. So to them, to sleep in the sukkah is is, is a painful. It's painful for them. And right. and and uh, again, but the Hasidim, you know, not all of us exactly they agree with everything. No, not exactly no. feel. We don't exactly have those feelings. But because we go along with the Rebbe, first of all, we feel bad. The Rebbe brings down the Sikha there that we don't feel bad. <laughs> Sometimes we feel bad about not feeling bad. So we're mitzvah. But basically, we go along with the uh, conduct of the Rebbe. I mean, of course, if the Rebbe is not going to sleep in the sukkah, it would be wrong for uh, Hasidim to right. see, oh, I'm more... He's sleeping for other reasons. Again, this is somewhat of an explanation. The, it doesn't really, it's not based on understanding the explanation. It's based, this is the tradition, and that's the way it's uh, done. Now, the, um, so now what happens is, so again, we have the two extremes. On one hand, we don't drink outside of the sukkah, but we won't sleep in the sukkah. <laughs> okay, now, the Shulchan Aruch HaRav, in the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch, he rules that if you come into somebody else's sukkah for the purpose of a teal, uh, I looked up the, the English word for it. I'm not, it's not familiar. It's called a, for promenade. A promenade means to hang out a little bit. It's to oh, just okay. to walk to, you know, you're just going for a, a teal means a trip. You're making a trip to somebody's uh, sukkah. That uh, would require you already to make a blessing there because you're uh, enjoying the sukkah, you're in somebody's sukkah. You should make a leshev basukkah. 
but the um, a little bit of an issue because you want to make sure to make a lish besuka, it has to be a kvius, it has to be a fixed, like not just a temporary going in and out. Right. Just that, that's why we only make on mizonos and bread because that's considered to be a, a, a meal. You know, if you just have a fruit or you have a, a snack, a shahakol, something like that, that's not called, that's not considered to be a, a, a kvius, a meal to require you to make. You can't say leishi basukas in the sukkah. So some people would have issues with not know how to address it. So I'm coming to your sukkah to schmooze, to right. uh, uh, you know uh, sit around a little bit, and uh, you know have a good time. Do I make a leishi basukah or not? It's a little. So the custom. Is, uh, what would you do? I would say, you have a cup of coffee and a piece of cake. That's it. <laughs> so that's why it's tradition. If you come into somebody's sukkah, they offer you something, something to eat. Then you so make then, a sukkah. Then you don't have... It's a good, good yeah. time to catch up on the carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like when somebody comes to your house, you give him... You always offer. Yes, offer. You can't. They always offer. Yeah, but you... Right? <laughs> you have to offer them, you know... Like cake, it's yeah, cake. <laughs> uh, a piece of cake. something to make a yeah, something to make a mizonas on so that he can make the lation. So the, the, the fruit wouldn't count then. The fruit is not sufficient. That's right. Because it's got to be mizonas. Got to be something from a grain. That's right. There has to be mizonas and oramos. Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, now um, it's not the chabad tradition. Uh, some have the tradition to kiss the sukkah when they go in, when they go out. They kiss the sukkah. Like we kiss the mezuzah when we come in and out. But it's not in the Chabad tradition to, to kiss the sukkah. No, for sure not. Because it's a temporary dwelling. If, if you would put a mezuzah, you would sort of almost disqualify this. I mean, you wouldn't really, but you don't need that because it's supposed to be a temporary. Uh, uh, it says, the mezuzah goes on a home. On a permanent, and permanent the sukkahs. Okay. One of the concepts of the sukkah is that we have we're under the stars. We have God's protection, even uh, though in our it's not our homes that protect us. It's not the uh, okay. insulation that we feel secure, but we go out in the sukkah that we have God's protection and everything. You know. So you don't put a mezuzah on the sukkah. Don't put a mezuzah on the sukkah. The so one of the things that there is. Um, on Sukkot, we have the Ushpizen. Ushpizen are the special guests. People make a whole big to-do about the Ushpizen. They put up posters uh, about the Ushpizen. And we have a sort of a Hasidic Ushpizen as well. The general community's Ushpizen, for the first day, it's Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu, based on the Zohar, based on the Kabbalah, comes to visit the sukkah on the first night, the first day of Sukkot. He comes to visit. Um, it's a day in which we welcome Avraham Avinu, Abraham our father, into our sukkah. But we have the counter Hasidic uh, counter to Avraham Avinu, which is the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov being the first in the order of the seven that will follow. Um, he comes on the first day of um, of Sukkot, on the first night of Sukkot, uh, the Sukkah, and 
of course there are commonalities common group between the Baal Shem Tov and Avram Avinu of course there's a few years in between there's a, there is a difference but yet there is something that we learn and something that we do specially in honor of Avram Avinu and the Baal Shem Tov and there are many talks by the Rebbe explaining and giving insight into the special uh, meanings and the special encounters that we have with Avram Avinu and with the Baal Shem Tov. Also on Sukkot we add the Yalev Yavo in the benching and we say for uh, Yom Chag Sukkot for the festival of Sukkot. We'll do so throughout the uh, Sukkot, Sukkot festival, Sukkot festival will add the Yalav Yavo as well as in all of our prayers during Sukkot we say the Yalav Yavo, that special prayer in the uh, in the davening, in the Amida as well as in the um, Benji. If you forget to say Yalav Yavo during benching, okay, you forget. So if you remember before you begin the bracha of Hatov Vahamativ, uh, that's the fourth bracha. Yalav Yavo is stuck in right before the end of the third bracha, before you say Uvene Yerushalayim. So if you hadn't started yet the next bracha uh, of Hatov, then you uh, go and say the special, there's a piece to say if you forgot. Uh, you say Baruch Hatov. You make like a bracha just for this. That's provided you said, even if you said Baruch Hashem, then you can still say that bracha. But as soon as you went on to the next bracha already, then you'd have to do the whole benching again. The benching doesn't count because you didn't put in the Yalav Yavi. What? What does that mean in English? It's just, Yalav means uh, let it go up and let it reach, let it reach and go and come to. Yes. And our prayers to Hashem, and that's the words of Yalav Yavi. Um, so then you have to start again. If you started, you started the next bracha, then you have to do the benching again. Um, now we have also. Um, we're going to talk now about the morning service. We talk about the morning service, Sukkot morning service. Okay, so. First of all is we get up early because we have a precious special mitzvah. We don't want to delay it. For the first time this year, we're going to be shaking the lulav and the etrog and we're going to be making the blessing on the lulav and etrog. And we don't want to procrastinate or delay it. So the first thing we do is we uh, we get up early and we make the uh, blessing on the lulav and the etrog. After hand washing, right? Oh yes, of course yeah. you do the hand washing. This is at home. This is at home, <laughs> and not at home. We're going to see that it's uh, best to do it in the sukkah. But first, we're talking about now. Men uh, have a tradition who use the mikvah in the morning would use the mikvah on Yontav before they do the lulav and the etrog so that they should be in a pure state while they're doing this important mitzvah of the lulav and etrog. Uh, it is best to do the mitzvah of lulav and etrog in the sukkah. Saying best means it's not a legal requirement, it's not a halacha that you have to, but it's best to do. And the blessing is made in the sukkah before the morning prayers. 
because we will use the lulav and the etrog during the morning prayers, but we will say the blessing in the sukkah in the morning. Now, uh, even if there, it's raining, it's still best uh, to wait for the rain to stop so that we can shake the lulav in the sukkah. It's important to do the lulav in the sukkah. So if you can wait, you know, the minion isn't starting yet or it's going to be later or things like that, you should better off make the bracha of the sukkah in the sukkah. If you can't, you'll do it at home. That's okay, that's what you do. But if you can wait a little bit and if it stops raining, do it in the sukkah. Meaning it's important to do it in the sukkah. And Rebbe explains in, 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 in different area places the significance of doing the lulav and the sukkah, notwithstanding the fact that they seem to be independent and separate mitzvot, but yet we combine them by doing the mitzvah of lulav in the sukkah. Now, generally, before we do a mitzvah, especially of the Torah, uh, we don't eat beforehand. You know, some people in the Shulchan Aruch says not to eat before even the davening. Of course, you know, one shouldn't fill his stomach and then, or, or as the Gemara says, be arrogant and fill itself and then go to pray to Hashem. But the minik by Hasidim, of course, is that we do taste something, we do have something before the uh, the davening, uh, because we consider it uh, helping us daven, because when we're starved and we're very hungry, and there is a halachic uh, reasoning why it would be okay, People who are weak and people who are not well enough are allowed to uh, have something. I mean, we're not talking about eating your meal before the davening. That's not allowed. Uh, a little snack, choose to have, no, not lachem, no, no, just uh, mizono, some some cake, or you know, certainly shakol. But um, uh, to do that before the davening, and uh, that's done so that they have the koyach, they have the energy to... Uh, to daven, to daven, and uh, concentrate and do proper the things. This is before or after the lulav. Oh, so you do it after. This is what we're saying here. So, shouldn't eat anything before doing the lulav. Matter of fact, by tradition, it looks like people should do it shortly after the lulav. So you have some cake or coffee, whatever you have in the morning, in the sukkah while you're there, and you make a radiation by sukkah in the sukkah. So you make that a full experience. So you're making the lulav and you're making the Blessing. The concept as to why you eat something that. Either. If you're in there, and you're supposed make, to eat in there. And they're going to make the lecture. Best is to actually do, do that. Okay, very good. Now. In uh, situations where you have somebody else use your lulav and esrik, many times is not one, not each individual in the home has their own lulav and esrik. So, uh, what we do is um, we say out that I'm giving you this lulav and esrik as a gift to be returned. We talked about it is because each one has to have their own lulav and esrik, so they should uh, have their own, and therefore. Um, um, they're having it, it's theirs for the duration they do the mitzvah, but they have to give it back to you, they can't own it because you make a condition I'm giving it to you, that it's yours for the duration of the mitzvah, and then you should give it back uh, the um, this would apply also, code. whenever you give somebody your lulav and etrog, you should say it's best to say, so that will be beneficial to the other person because he will be then uh, making a, ble- a blessing on his own lulav and esrog, and it's also beneficial to you because when you get it back, you know it's really yours now. So the other one didn't acquire it. So this is the way to do it. Now, here is the way the mitzvah of the lulav and the esrog, the way it's done. So the lulav is held in your right hand. 
Okay, the lulav is the tallest of all the species, so that's why it gets the right hand. So you put it into the right hand, and you hold the left etrog in your left hand. Okay, and the reverse is true for a person who is left-handed. So he will hold the etrog in his right hand, which is everybody's left hand, and I mean the lulav in his right hand, which is everybody's left hand, and then he would hold the etrog in everybody's right hand, which is his left hand, which is his, okay, now. If you're right-handed, you hold the lulav in your right hand. And the etrog in left hand. The reverse is, he would reverse it, he would hold, his left hand is his right hand. Okay, so basically we hold it in the right hand, he reverses it. Okay, now, this is how the midst of the lulav is done. You're facing east, okay? You take the lulav with your right hand, and you have the f- spine facing you. The spine, that's the back of the lulav, where everything is nice and neat and closed. That's the spine. So you have the spine facing you. And then you say the bracha on the lulav. You say, Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddushanu Al Nitilat Lulav. Okay. Then... During that time, the etrog is still in the box or on the table, wherever that's with. Then you take the etrog in your left hand. Because it is the first time you're doing the mitzvah, we're going to do the blessing of Shehechiyonu on the, on the mitzvah. That's only for the first time we do the Lulav and Esrog that year. From that point on, we're not going to do it again. So we do the... So we start saying... You take the etrog in your left hand and you start saying the bracha. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam shechiyonu v'kiyimonu v'higiyonu Now, as you are finishing the blessing of shechiyonu as you're finishing, then you connect. You bring the esrog and the lulav together with the other species. Remember, the lulav doesn't ha- also has tied to it the hadasim and the aravot. So you bring them together and you connect them to the upper third of the esrog, which is held in an angle. So the etrog is held in an angle. So you hold in your hand, you held in an angle. So the the upper part of the esrog. You bring them together over here. So as you finish the bracha, you connect them at the end of the bracha. The etrog to the lulav. And then... The upper third of the etrog. Of the etrog. You connect the lulav to the upper third of the etrog. Which way is the esrog? Is the stem down? Or is no, the stem, stem has to be up. A good question, but that's very important. It has Some to be. Some places show the stem down, then you turn it. No, you, oh yes. Up, oh, right? that is. They want. Well, see, that's why. What they would do is they, if they held, they if they hold the bracha, if they held the es, if they have the lulav, then they wanna, uh, and the esrog during the bracha, but they don't wanna yet fulfill the mitzvah, they're holding it upside down, so they're not fulfilling the mitzvah, and then they turn it around, so they start fulfilling the mitzvah then. Yeah, but because we don't even hold the esrog during the bracha, so we don't hold it upside down, but we pick it up in the right way up. The pitam, or if you don't have a pitam, the top, that's the way that goes up, the uh, place where it connects to the tree, right. where it hangs from, that's on the bottom. And the that's on the that, that you hold on the bottom when you're making the bracha, the actual bracha. Oh, okay. Okay. The other side of the tree, not where it grows from, is is on the top. The place where it connects to the tree, it goes on the bottom. 
That's the oikets, the bottom of the okay. of the of the etrog. That is held bottom, but the top, the point, that's held uh, straight up. That's on the top. So when you hold them together, the pitum is not what connects to the tree. The pitum grows. That's like a crown above. No, the pitum does not grow. The other side grows to by the tree. It's not flat. You know, you see, you can see there is the. So that's from the bud, then that piece. Yeah. Yes. That's Whenever yeah. It yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, that's interesting. Maybe that's that 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 remains there. Um, now, then you do the nanuim. That is the shaking of the four species. The way we shake them. There's everything. Now the. Shaking are very important. They're supposed to set off bad, uh, bad winds and bad uh, spiritual uh, things. And while shaking the loaf in the different directions, we're sort of offsetting it. And there's a special order, the way to do it. And by the way, it says here, um, not sure what the source of this is, but the women don't do the nanuyim. This is only done by the men. But uh, in any event, this is the way the Na'anuyim, these shaking of the four species are done. Okay, so you start moving the lulav with the other species. Yeah. Oh. Now, you, when we say nitilat yadayim, that means washing the hands. Right. Why is nitilat lulav shaking the lulav? That's a very good question. So, first of all, uh, nitila means also to take. Uh, natla, the word natla in Aramaic means also a vessel. So the washing of the hands, it means a little bit different than nitilat yadayim and nitilat lulav, even though it's the same word, but they have a little bit of a different meaning. Nitilat yadayim means you're not taking your hands, but you, it's not like nitilat lulav means taking the lulav, but I mean, but nitila of yadayim means that you're washing the hands, but it means the vessel for the hands, the, because the water of yadayim comes from a from a natla from a vessel but that's another it's a little bit different the word nitilav here but here nitilat lulav means taking of the lulav and shaking but that's a very good question a good a good observation but that's separate with nitilat yadayim over there there is the uh, criteria necessary for a vessel the way the way it works over there because over there you can also sometimes use other other ways but the blessing was established to say nitilat yadayim based on the natla, based on the fact that you take a, uh, a vessel to wash the hands. But in any event, this is the way the Nanuim are done. So you start by moving the lulav together with the other species. Again, we've connected, remember, the uh, lulav and the atroch, and, and you have the other two species together with the lulav. So now you have all the four species, and you connect them, and all together you start to move them uh, from your chest towards the southeast. So if this is the east over here, you start putting it towards the southeast. Okay, now each time you reach your destination, you shake the lulav. When you come to the southeast, you give it a shake over there. Uh, listen, I do it three times. Okay, three times. On your return, you always bring it back to your chest. So you shake it over there. Give it a shake, bring it back to your chest. Okay, then the following movements starts from the chest. Okay, and the lulav always stays upright. 
and the etrog is covered by the hand. Okay, except the last movement in which he uncovers the etrog a bit, but like this, it's always covered. This way, going west then. Okay, then so first we went to the to the southeast. Then we go to the northeast. We go to the other side, and we do this three times. Okay, three times, and then you go to the middle of the east three times. You go forward. Okay, then you go towards the top three three times. Okay, now when lowering from the top, you first lower it. Okay, you bring it down, and then you bring it to your chest. You don't go at an angle from the top to your chest. But you go down, and another movement to the chest. And then you go up, down, and a movement to the chest. And each time, yeah, like a 45. And each time you shake when you come to your destination. And then towards the west. So you bring it to the chest, you shake it again? What? When you bring it back to your chest, you shake it again? No, no. the chest you don't shake it. You no, shake no. it when you reach your destination. When you reach out. That's when you shake it, okay? Okay, then towards the west three times uh, what you do is you do it over your, to the west you do it over your shoulder over your right shoulder okay now the first two times when you do it you point to the west you put it to the west uh, uh, um, to the west north I believe northwest North, uh, northwest. You're going to the west, but you're going to the corner. And the third, final time, you do it towards the middle of the west. Okay. It says here east-west, but that's not correct, so it can't be. Uh, it must be west-north. You're going to the back to Myriv, but you put it to the uh, corner, to the. You put it to the east corner. The first two times, you go one shake, one shake. That is done to the west, but it's pointing towards the east. Uh, towards the uh, towards the south. I'm sorry, south. First two times to the south, west, but the south, and the last of the third of these times, you pointed to the middle of the of the west, not to the corner, not to the south corner, but to the uh, to the middle corner, to the middle corner in the west, in the middle corner, and. Uh, in shul we do it all together. So you watch everybody. Yeah. But the thing is, in the sukkah you're doing it on your own. The first right. time you're doing right. it on your own. So then you no okay, okay. I gotta fix this. I think over here is a mistake. Then uh, you do it towards the bottom three times. So what you do is same thing is you go towards the bottom. Now you never turn the lulav downwards again. You just hold the weight to the right. You bring it down. You bring it down. And same thing as we said before, when lifting it back up from the bottom, you first lift it up and then you bring it to yourself. You don't do it in an angle, but you do it in a 45. You bring it up and then you bring it to your chest. Okay. You're doing all the major directions. That's right. And we want to prevent all kinds of, of bad things which coming. The pattern that you do. The pattern, that. exactly. Yeah. Now, by the way, which is also, this is the Hasidic Chabad tradition, the way right. we do it. Other do it uh, different ways, but this is the way we do it. It shows that Hashem is everywhere. That's probably true too, but specifically it says it's done to prevent uh, bad spirits and coming. All the directions the, that they the, That's right, yeah. exactly. So it's north, Now, there is some discussion. This is all talking about east, west, and but you know the shul isn't always precisely 
to the east. You know, they have to, yeah, you, you don't put the Aron Kodesh like an angle. You know, the, you go by the building of the of, of the building. So when we daven, for example. Which way are we facing? We're not facing exactly east. We're facing east in a corner. The best, okay. we find the best spot facing east. But now, but some argue that when it comes to the east over here, you need to be the precise Perfect. east. And you don't go by the shul, but commonly people go use the shul. I mean, that's how it's usually done. How else you gonna cover the compass? <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, there is um, they they some people observed how the Rebbe would do it. Um, that when the Rebbe would do it, when he would bring it to his chest, he didn't bring it with one movement to the chest, but he would sort of first bring it close to his chest. And then he would make another movement, actually touch his chest with it. The the uh, the word ushpizin, what you're asking now, is uh, is the uh, Aramaic word for guest. Uh, not uh, it's not when we usually use the term achnasat orchim, that would be in the Hebrew. But this is ushpizin is the uh, is the uh, Aramaic word. But normally, I mean, this is not to substitute the real guest inviting people uh, into your sukkah and giving them an opportunity and uh, to do the sukkah mitzvah and to uh, have guests at your table. That's in addition, uh, we have the spiritual guests, but that doesn't uh, negate one. Okay, let's go back. That's um, The other thing is uh, the Rebbe would stand straight facing Mr. all the time. So when he did the movements, he basically... Only he didn't move his whole body towards that direction, but uh, he only his hands and upper body would go to that direction. But the Rebbe would stand facing Mizrach the whole time and just move the hands basically. Versus other people will actually take a step to that direction oh, and take a step in the other direction. Well, that was observed. There was some other observed observed minhagim. Okay, now let's go on to the uh, davening. Uh, we do the. Yomtev, the Amida, the Amida we do for Yomtev, as it's in the Sidurim. And we also recite the entire Hallel. Actually, we'll do that for the entire festival of Sukkot. And also, Shemini Atzer, Simchas Torah, we will do the entire Hallel. Um, Is that the Hallel that we do in the morning? The Hallel after the Amida. After the Amida, we do the Hallel over there. No, I'm talking about in the early Shachris morning. In the Shachris morning, after the Amida, we do Hallel. In the back now, uh, one would, without hesitation, make the bracha, even if you're doing it individually. You know, sometimes, if you notice on Rosh Chodesh, we don't do the entire hollow, and there's a reason is because it's not same thing is on Chalamoyed Pesach. The reason is because there are various views whether we say hollow or not, and that's why we don't say the whole hollow. There is actually an issue about making a blessing on that because since there are various opinions, so there's an issue about um, uh, saying the bracha before you do the hallel. Uh, and the normally way we do it is we have the chazan, the one who leads the services. We have him say the bracha, and everybody answers amen. Now, if you would uh, daven on your own without a minion. Then you would say also the uh, bracha of halal. Uh, some argue even 
based on some tradition that even with the chazan they say their own bracha. But that's a whole other discussion. But that only applies in situations when you say a half of a halal. In other words, uh, not not actually half. I mean, those two pieces, there are two paragraphs that are omitted. But when you say the entire halal, there is no issue. You say the blessing in the beginning of the halal, you say the blessing at the end of halal. Whether you're davening with a minion, whether you're davening by yourself, you would still say the entire halal with its blessings. Now, the issue that we have now is that what happens, you come to shul, and you're going to use the lulav and the esrog for the halal, as we'll see, because we're going to do the na'anuyim, we're going to do the movements of the lulav and the esrog, we're going to do it also in the synagogue, in the shul, during the halal, as we'll see in a minute. But a person who has not yet blessed his lulav and esrog, made the blessing on his lulav and esrog, uh, they would have a problem using the lulav and the esrog before making the blessing. So, the way we do it is we wait, if we have a sukkah right here in the shul, uh, we would wait for them to go out to the sukkah, make their blessing and come back in. So we give a few minutes for that, to give a chance for those who didn't make the blessing yet to make the blessing. But what happens if there is no sukkah or if it's raining outside or for some reason, whatever reason, the person cannot make their uh in the sukkah, <laughs> So then they would actually make the blessing in the shul, like in their home. Before doing the halal, they would make the blessing. But because they were making the blessing, as we said before, they would also be making the na'anuim. They would also be making those movements that you make with the lul and the esrog. We did it in the morning in the sukkah, those who did it before. But this person who hadn't done it yet is going to do it in the shul. And it's going to turn out, we do the nanuyim during the halal four times we do it. But it, if, if this person is going to do it, like everybody else in the shul, he'll end up doing it five times consecutive, because he's doing it, he's making the bracha by halal, and he'll end up doing it five times, because he didn't, he just made the bracha, just made his nanuyim over there. So that person uh, will not do it, we do it two times when we say Ona Hashem. That's a repetition of Ona Hashem. Later on, as we'll see, he will leave out the second time. So he will also only be doing it four times. He won't be doing it uh, five times. He won't be doing it an extra time. Because he's doing it in the shul, right, the fall. So it counts, so then he shouldn't do it. it the, the numbers are important, so therefore, we don't want him to do it more than four. And that is stick to the four. Um, Okay, so now, during the Hallel, the way it's done, we hold the Lulav in the right hand, and when we do the Na'anuyim, again, those are the movements, uh, we join the Esrik to the Lulav and the species. So, it is the Chabad tradition that way. Other people hold both of them, and during the Na'anuyim, they just bring the Lulav and the Esrik together. But we only hold the Lulav when we say the uh, Bracha, uh, when we do the Hallel the entire time, and when we do the Nanuim, we pick up the Etrog, we connect it to the Lulav, and then we do the Nanuim. Now, uh, the following uh, is done whenever we read the Hallel. So you see that when the Chazan says out loud, those are the four verses that we say out loud, and by one of them we'll do the Nanuim. He says, Hodul Hashem Kitov, that's the 
he announces and he says, Hodul Hashem Kitov, Kilorum Chazdo. And the congregation responds, Hodul Hashem is praise Hashem for he is good, for his kindness is eternal. The whole congregation responds, Hodul Hashem Kitov, Kilorum Chazdo, because the Chaz doesn't respond, he just said it. We're responding. He says, Praise God, and we say, Praise God, for he's true. But then, uh, the congregation, after responding, they will go on to the next verse and they will say the verse that says, Yoimru no Yisrael, say please Israel, you're saying that Hashem's kindness is eternal. And then, so the congregation goes to the next section. Then the Chazan repeats what we already said, and he will say, Yomar no Yisrael, out loud. And then the congregation responds loudly. But in this case, we say loudly, But the Chazan says along, because Chazan only said, Yomar, he says also, So the Chazan says along with the people. But the people say, And we go on to the next one, uh, The congregation says, No, it's not of the... What? After, no, after, first we said Yomar no Yisrael, okay. now we're accident, we say, we say, it says you're soft enough, so we say Yomar no Beis Arim, we say, in other words, we said first, then we say Yomar no Beis Arim, we go to the next Yomar no Beis Arim, we say, the announcement is Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilom but we go on to the next verse, we do that softly. Let me just finish this off so we don't lose the chain of thought. One second. Then the Chazan says out loud what we just said, Yom Runo Beis and the congregation responds loudly again, and the Chazan softly, Hoidul Hashem, and then the congregation finally says the final verse, of Yom Runo Yireh Hashem, then the Chazan says out loud, Yom Runo Yireh Hashem, and the congregation responds loudly, and the Chazan says, Hoidul, because this is already the end, and then we continue with the Min HaMetzer. Okay, he has a song over there. What? Is this hal- This is part of the Hallel, yes? Yes. <laughs> so this is for the, all the Chats, like Pesach. Every time, and Rosh Hashanah, and, and same for Rosh any anytime we say Hallel. Every time, all the time, this order. This is the order we do it, yeah. Um, now, following is the way we do the Nanuim, the, the towards uh, when we do it uh, on Hallel. We do it four times during Hallel. We do it when saying, uh, so when we announce it, in this case we won't be able to make that big announcement quickly, because we're, we're, we're shaking the lulav. Here is how it's done. But first we'll see in a minute. But we do, we do it once when you do uh, and then you do twice when you say and it says here that because they follow immediately, says the Rebbe would make a small interruption in between these two honor uh, Hashem's, just so because they are consecutive, they're the same words. So the Rebbe would sort of he would put the asterisk down in the middle and pick it up, or he would fix his talus just to make some sort of a space, a, a gap in between the two honor Hashem's. And then because 
the other ones, they, these follow, these two follow right one after the other, on Hashem, on Hashem. So make a little space so you recognize that they're not one continuous, it's like a, a separate. And then towards the end of the Halil, when saying the first Hoydu Lashem Kitov, at the end of the Halil is again Hoydu Lashem Kitov, say over there. Now, the way it's basically done, the words we have to do, remember how many movements do we do? We go, if we want to say right, left, you know, easier for us to think rather than the corners. Right, left, middle, up, back, and down. That's what we're doing, right? Right, left, middle. So it's six. But you have in Hoydu Lashem Kitov. Right, left, middle, up, down. No, no, and back and down. Right, back, good. Right, left, middle, up, back, and down. Which is really the corners, we went the east, the corners, but this is to the right, to the left, to the middle, to the, to the up, to the back, and then down. So it's really six times. So the words in Hoidu Lashem Ki Tov you have seven words. Hoidu Lashem Ki Tov Ki Lolom Chazdo. So when you say the word Hashem, you don't do anything. So each one of the movements will take up one word. So when you do Hoidu, you go to the southeast that's the southeast right Hashem you don't do anything you stand still okay and you say like you say basically Hodu Lashem you don't say Hodu it's not a seven say Hodu Lashem so by Hashem you don't say anything you do it by the Hodu but you say Hodu Lashem in other words you start when you say Hodu it takes time to move she says, Ho do, and then you're moving it. He said, Lashem, together, because it's not a separate word. In this case, it's connected. Praise God. Yeah. Let's just go through this. So, Ho do, you do to the right, which, we, which is southeast. Okay? And Lashem, you stand still. And then when you do Ki, that's Hashem Ki, then you do it to the northeast. Okay? To the east or the north, that's to the left, we call it. And when you do Tov, we just do it to the middle of the east, which is the uh, front of you. And then when you do Ki, the next word, you do it up. And then when you do Laolam, you do it down. And Chazdo, you do it... Over the right shoulder. And Chazdo, we do it to the, to the west. Olam goes to the, uh, to the west. And this is a mistake here. And Chazdo goes down. When you do Chazdo, you do down. Like I said before... There is just, you, do, you follow the regular Nanuim, the regular movements, but there's one word, you just use one for one word. So down is the last one? What? Pasto, down. Yes, down is the last one, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, when you do the Anas, over there, there's only, uh, there's four words, Ana Hashem Hoshiana. So you have to double it up. By Hashem, we're not going to do anything. So we also, we have to double it up. So we double up. So when you do Ana, you do both the south and the east, you know, to the south and the east in the front. And when you do Hashem, you don't do anything. You stand still. And when you do Hoshia, you again, you do to the east, to the front, and you do up. And then when you do Na, Na, you do down and to the west. Actually, up and down are followed. You do it up, and down, and then you do to the west. I don't know. This is this is correct. You always you go up, yeah. and then you go down, yeah. and then you go to the west. Okay. You don't do the west before and then go down. Yeah, no, that's wrong. No, you do up, down, and then to the west. That's, that's the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it's always done. Always done. Always done. Up, down, and then to the back. You know, yeah. you do it all the time. Okay. 
Uh, I guess it's confusing. At one point, it's got confusing here the way to put it. Okay. Now, following the Hallel, then we do the Hoshainis. Uh, we don't do it on Shabbos at all in our tradition. Some people do it without shaking the Lulav. The Lulav and the Estrog are not used on Shabbat. Period. And when it's Chalamai, well, uh, we're doing Shabbos, we're not going to use it. And the day after Shabbos, we're going to add for the Hashinas that we missed out on Shabbos. We, know, we don't say Hashinas on Shabbos, we'll do it on Sunday. Uh, we'll make a double portion. But now we're talking about the Hashinas that follow the Hallel. After you do Hallel, you finish Hallel, you go to the Hashinas. So what you do is you take out a Sefer Torah. Uh, one Sefer Torah you take out. Okay. Now, one who does not have a lulav is usually honored because everybody is going to go around the bima with their lulav and their trog. So if you don't have a lulav and a trog, usually that person is honored uh, with taking out the Torah and standing with the Torah by the, by the bima. Now, if everybody has a lulav and a trog, uh, so then you can lay the Torah down on the bima itself. You don't necessarily have to hold it. And you keep the ark open uh, throughout the Hoshinus till you complete saying the Hoshinus. What about the concept of lending it to someone who doesn't have it? No, that's it, but we can't do it at the same time. You're going to circle, you can do it to him afterwards. Yeah. One who doesn't have it is going to, that's what you do. But at the time that you're going to circle, you can only circle one at a time. Okay, so now we're going to circle the Bima, okay? Uh, and um, people seem like circling the bima even if they don't dab with a minion so they would still circle they still circle the bima uh even the daven alone people usually circle the bima anyways uh while uh saying their shyness uh the rebbe would hold the uh dollar minute the four species with both hands and he would hold them towards his uh chest um the rebbe interesting would never say any prayer without looking in the sitter. Can you imagine how we just um, pray? Now, the Rebbe knew all the prayers, but he would never pray not looking from the sitter. Always in the sitter. The only times, one of the only times the Rebbe would say things not in the sitter would be during the Hashinas because his both hands are occupied holding the little of the Ezrog and uh, Sometimes you have people walking in front of you with a sitter, and you can read from the sitter, because otherwise, this is a real challenge to hold the lulav and the estrog at your chest, and then still say the words, uh, you know, from a sitter. What? What does Hoshana mean? means it's basically help. We're asking Hashem for help, and we're giving Him. It's in Hebrew, yeah. So you do the lulav and the estrog and cholamate also? Oh, yeah, every day for the duration of Sukkot. Right. Through Chamoid, which means in, in this year through to, through Wednesday, through next week Wednesday, starting Wednesday from this morning. Wednesday, Wednesday morning, Hashem the Rabbah will be the last day that you do your so you do your lulav. Okay. But you can be in the sukkah through Thursday. Our tradition is to eat on Thursday in the sukkah as well, the whole sukkah. There's various different traditions, but the Chabad tradition is to fully sit in the sukkah. However, no bracha leishe basukkah is made on Shmini Atzeres. Okay, now the okay uh, the words in the Hoshainus uh, that the Chazan reads out loud. That is when he's circling the bima. He reads out loud. Uh, 
when you say those words, when the Chazan says them, it's it's usually it's set up by the Aleph Bet. You have one Aleph Bet Gimel Dalad Hey Vav. So he starts to at a certain point to circle. We say the first part, then he starts to circle. So uh, he, when he is circling, you start this the sentence with Hoishaino Lemancha, and you say the word Hoishaino. So you say a Shaino in the beginning and a Shaino in the end. If you just read in the words, it just says Leman, Leman, Leman. It doesn't say the word Hoshina and then Hoshina again. I think in the new Sudurim they already may have added it. But in the old Sudurim they just had it written, the Aleph Beis. Leman, Leman Aleph, Leman Beis. They just went down the, the row. So his instruction is to say, when the Chazan says it, you start with Hoshina in the beginning and we Shina in the end. And because of because of four you are uh, for your truth, for your blessing, for everything. <laughs> Going to, yeah, oh, every, there's a whole, look in the, in the Shinas and the Siddur, they have all the translation over there. Now, the, uh, uh, the custom is that he starts to say with the letter Samachar Ayin. So, the, uh, when he comes to the center, that's when he'll start. And then you'll say the Samach and the Ayin from that day. Uh, and we circle a full circle around the bimah, and we finish uh, the circle when you say the letter tough. So you go slowly and you say, and uh, the circle is done counterclockwise. So you go east, north, uh, west, and south. And you complete the circle from the part you started. When you get into the circle, you go around, you take a, you do a full circle over there. Uh, and if a person doesn't have his own set of the four species, uh, you use somebody else's. Uh, after they finished circling, then you take them. And if a person, we'll just conclude these halachas over here. Uh, one uh, who became a mourner during the festival, of one who's in mourning, in the year of mourning after parents, do not circle. Okay, the, the one who do not circle. Okay, the mourner should honor someone who does not have a lulav set to circle the bimah with their set. So give it to somebody else. And then you have, uh, after each shina, there is a verse kiyomarti, uh, or etc., which you have between each shina. That's only said on a shina rabbit. That is not said on the regular shinas every day. We'll do it on a shina rabbit. And... Uh, the Rebbe would say, when you say the words of Shia Samecha at the end, when you're finishing up the Shinas, the Rebbe would say to sing, you know, the song, Shia Samecha, that's the traditional song. And then you bring back, when you bring back the uh, uh, Torah to the, to the Ark with the song of Shinas. And then you have the last, or the end, there's the words, Lamandas, you say it out loudly, so the world will know that God is Elohim, Hashem Elohim, no one else besides Hashem, that's announced in a loud voice. And that's done when you bring back uh, the, the, the Torah to the Ark. I'm sorry, the Yeshia is sung when you come to that spot, but you use the words Lamandas, which is the ending of the Hashinas, and then you return it. Uh, to the ark, and just a suggestion for that the best way to keep the the myrtle and the willow uh, from drying out is to keep them 
out of the open ear. The ear dries them out and then they seem to uh, go bad. Uh, keeping them covered in a plastic bag or wrapped in a silver foil with a sprinkle of water uh, to provide some moisture, just a sprinkle. Too much water weighs down on them and they, and they seem to wither, they become black and it's no good. Uh, that should help keep them fresh. A little bit of sprinkle uh, for the duration of Yom Tov. And one who is permitted, if he wants to put the lulav back into a bucket of water on Yom Tov, uh, and you're even permitted to add up to the half amount of water already in the bucket, but you cannot change the water for it. It has to do with the ideas of, of, of watering plants and things like that that you don't want to do on, 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 on the Antif. I mean, this is some... I've never seen that practically. I don't know what it helps. I mean, lulav is not usually the problem. No. If anything, the problem becomes is the daravadas and daravas. But my own experience has been that... Um, not to put, make them too wet. The weight of the water that would dry out actually causes them to, 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 to wilt and to, to crumple a little bit. So the main thing that I found is to keep them wrapped whenever they're not used. When you use them, you have to unwrap them. But whenever they're not used, just keep them unwrapped. And then, yeah. You don't, refrigerator is okay, but you don't need to. You don't need to refrigerate them. They usually, they usually will last. If you see the ones that come in plastics, they stay because they're out of the, they're out of the ear. The ear is what causes them to dry out and to uh, wither. Thank you for the